Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today I want to talk about the heart. The human heart is superior than any man-made pump. It beats about 72 beats a minute. And over a lifetime, probably about 3 billion times. And it receives and releases our lifeblood, circulating it to every part of the body. What an amazing pump it is. It's essential that we keep it in good condition. But it's also the picture of the heart of our inner man. And that is designed to pump the life of God, the fruit of the Spirit, to every part of our soul, our body, our life. Uh, God's life, you see, is already in our reborn spirit if we're born again. John 4.14, Jesus said, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will be in him a spring or a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. And when you receive Christ, God created this spring inside you of everlasting life inside your spirit. And the life of God now is in your spirit. But it's got to flow out through your heart. As, Je as Jesus said in John 7:38, he said, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being, out of his heart, shall flow rivers of living water which he spoke concerning the spirit and so we want to talk about the heart because that is the crucial part of man through which the spirit of life must flow Hebrews 4.12 tells us where the heart is it says what it is in Hebrews 4.12 the word of God is living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the, the division of spirit and soul and that's where the heart is. It's at the connecting point of spirit and soul. It's the deepest part of the soul. The word of God is designed to go to the heart. The dividing, the division of spirit or soul and spirit, it says. And then it describes the soul and the spirit. It says, and of joints and of marrow. You see, it compares the soul to joints and it compares the spirit to marrow. You see, marrow is where the lifeblood is produced that's like the spirit is the source of life there's no life in the soul the life is produced from the spirit the the soul is like a joint the the, the joint it doesn't create life but it transmits life and power like joints do and so the life source is in your spirit and it's transmitted through your soul and so he says that the word of god is at the division of soul and spirit it says and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it, the heart is at the division of soul and spirit. You see, we are spirit, soul, and body. We're made of three parts. I am a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. And, and so in Hebrews also it says there's a division between soul and spirit. The body contacts the physical world. The soul is the mind, will, and emotions. And the spirit contacts God. Didn't Jesus say in John 4.24, God is spirit, and those who worship him, those who contact him, must contact him and worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, God works in us from the inside out. He's spirit. He makes our, made our spirit alive. He lives in our spirit, and then his life flows out from our spirit into our soul and body. You see, and, and so the heart is the deepest part of the soul at the junction of the soul and the body. Oh, sorry, the soul and the spirit. 
The heart, therefore, is designed to receive the life of God that's in the spirit and then release it, pump it, to the rest of our life. And so man believes with the heart and he receives the spirit life of God into his heart by believing. And in that way, by believing, we can constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit in our heart. Uh, and then Jesus said, the next stage is that we release the power of the Spirit. Because Jesus said, Matthew 12, 34, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, as the heart is filled with the Word and the Spirit, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth into his life, in other words, he releases these things into his life, good things. How? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. By speaking them, he releases it into his life. So the heart receives from the spirit and then releases it. Through words and through actions, we release the life of the spirit within us. Romans 10.10 10 agrees. It says, for with the heart, first of all, man believes unto righteousness. That is, you receive the answer into your heart. Then it says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. In other words, you release it with your words into manifestation. You see, God's blessings come to us through the, from the Spirit, through our heart. Therefore, we must keep our heart in good condition, or we will not enjoy the blessings, the love, the joy, the peace, the health, the wisdom of God flowing out. We won't enjoy that spiritual life. Yes, our spirit, if it's born again, is alive, but it will be imprisoned because it won't be able to flow out of your heart if it's not working as it should. You know, instead of blaming everything on the sovereignty of God, if things are not working in our life, if we're not getting answered prayer, rather than blaming God, we need to check the condition of our heart because out of that flows the issues of life. What God can do in our life depends on our heart and its ability to receive and release the life of God. Proverbs 4.23 therefore says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues, the forces of life. We're responsible to guard our heart. God's spirit life flows through our heart. Therefore, the condition of our heart determines how much of that life can flow. We're responsible to guard it against wrong attitudes, wrong beliefs that would want to get in and harden our heart so that it can't be a channel of that life within us. We've got to guard against blockages building up in our heart that will stop the flow of the life. You see, our heart is vulnerable to the wrong beliefs getting in, making it dysfunctional. And in this series, we're going to look at the three major blockages that will stop the life of God flowing in your life. We must guard it. How do we guard our heart? The answer is with the word of God. Let's go back to Proverbs 4 there, verse 20. Let's back up. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. The key is the words of God. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. You've got to get the word of God in your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Those who get the word of God into their heart the, gets the heart into condition for the inner life of the spirit to be released, giving health to their flesh and life to their mind 
and, and, and so forth. And then it says, keep your heart with all diligence. How? With the words of God. Keep getting the word in the heart. For out of it spring the issues of life. This is so important. If we don't keep our heart in shape, we will fail to receive from God. We keep it in shape with the word of God. Putting it first. If we do that, these verses promise us we will enjoy a release of God's life into our soul and into our flesh from the spirit within. Hallelujah. You know, Christians get involved in many good things to try and enhance their spiritual life. But just like Jesus said to Martha, you know, there is only one thing that is really needful, and that is to receive his word into us. Yes, you can receive healing through the faith of other people, but ultimately you need to learn how to receive on your own faith because the degree of divine health you'll walk in eventually is according to your own faith. And, uh, and God's faith will come by you receiving his word into your heart. You must receive his life by faith. And you can't have faith without the word of God, doesn't Romans 10:17 say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, our hearts must be filled with the word. You see, faith is like a substance. Hebrews 11:1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is like spiritual substance, the, which the word contains that spiritual substance of faith. And as you get the word into your heart, so that's, that substance, that spiritual strength of faith is built into your heart, making it more able to channel the life of God within you. And you see also, another way to think about it is that the, the, the word of God is the voice of the spirit. And so the more the word of God is in your heart, the more you will be tuned into the voice of the spirit. Your heart will be sensitive and it will be able to receive the life of the spirit and release it through the soul. Well, there are things that are in opposition to God's word. And if we allow them in our heart to dominate our thinking, they will impede our heart from functioning as it ought to. I'm always amazed how quick people are to blame God, you know, when things go wrong. Instead, we should be asking, is there anything in my heart that is blocking the answer, that is blocking the provision? Because God sends the answer to our spirit when we pray, and then it is to flow out of our heart. But if the heart is blocked up, there's a problem there. See, we are connected to God, spirit to spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 17 says that. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. God flows through your spirit, through your heart. You see, you receive from God spiritually by believing it into your heart, and then you release it through your words and actions. God sends the answer through us. So if our prayers aren't working, we're not enjoying the life of God, it's not God's fault. We should ask, what is causing a blockage in my heart. And in this series, we're going to look at the three main blockages that block the blessings of God flowing through you. And so this is designed to get your heart into shape, to be an efficient channel of the spirit life of God within you. Praise God. Well, the first blockage we're going to deal with today is unbelief. You know, we want to have a soft heart. The Bible talks about taking out the stony heart and giving it, God giving us a soft heart of flesh. A believing heart is a soft heart, a sensitive heart that's able to perceive and receive the life of God. But an unbelieving heart is a hard heart 
that is insensitive. It's unable to perceive and receive the life of God. We need to get, make sure our heart is soft, but there, are, there can be hardness in our heart, even as believers. See, un, what is unbelief? It's believing something other than God's word. Believing something in opposition to his word. You know, you can know the word of God and still be in unbelief. Because you choose to believe something else above the word. Um, for example, um, your own thoughts, your opinions, your feelings, strongholds you have, your experiences, maybe the views of others that you think highly of, the experiences of other people. You value these things more highly than you do what God's word says. You're tuned into these other voices more than God's word. And as James says, how can you hopefully hope how can you hope to receive anything from God if that's the value you put on God's word? If that's that's unbelief in your heart. Unbelief isn't more than is not just a doubt that drops into your mind, but it's a settled disposition of the heart that isn't trusting God in a certain area of your life. To remove unbelief, you have to meditate and know God and His Word until your heart is fully persuaded to trust him. You see, the word will drive out those doubts. Let's, let's encourage you in your faith. You see, the Bible is clear that God has freely given us all things in Christ to possess through the new covenant. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, everything that you're going to need. More than that, that we've been given great and exceedingly great promises and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You can partake of the life of God by getting the promises of God in your heart that will make your heart soft and you'll be able to partake of all that God wants you to have. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he, shall he not with him, with Christ, also freely give us all things? Is God holding back? If there's a problem, it's not because God is holding back, it's because there's a blockages in our heart, especially unbelief. The th 1 Corinthians 2.12 talks about all the things that have been freely given to us by God. God doesn't hold them back. And so all these promises of God are for us. And we just need to therefore come to God in confident faith to ask and receive his provision. You know, just come to him and ask. Romans 10:11 says, Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. He will not be disappointed. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is rich to all who call upon him. Therefore, Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly to the, with confidence in God's promises and his character that stands behind his promise. Come boldly to the throne of grace. And, and that's where God freely gives. Grace is what's freely given. Freely gives what Jesus paid for on the cross. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain Grace and mercy to help in time of need. To obtain means we actually go away from the throne with the answer in our hands. Because we come with confident faith to believe we receive it. 
As Mark 11.24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you desire, whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. You will have them manifested, but you believe you receive them when you pray. This is a general principle of receiving from God in prayer. How can you believe you receive when you pray unless you have confidence in God that when you ask God, God gives it to you without withholding. He's the God of the immediate response. And therefore you can believe you receive it into your heart when you pray. Well, Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened to you. Not it might, it will be. And then he explains what, it, what gives us that confidence. It's the love and the goodness of God that he doesn't want to hold back from us. He says in verse 9, What man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He's encouraging us to ask and believe in the love of God and receive. He says, God loves you more than we can imagine. He won't withhold any good thing from us. He just wants you to come and ask and receive. That's the spirit of faith. But we have to remove our unbelief out of our heart if this is to work for us. You see, God is a liberal giver. He doesn't withhold his blessings from us. He's rich to all who call upon him. He gives to all men liberally without reproach. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. He's a rich, liberal, generous giver who doesn't withhold any good thing from his children. But we've got to trust him. We've got to believe that. Jesus paid the price for us to receive every promised blessing. Our faith for salvation or wisdom or healing and every blessing must be based on the finished work of Christ. We've got to believe these scriptures. That must be our final authority and no experience, no opinion of any expert must be higher than what the Word of God says. The Word of God says in Galatians 3.13 that Christ has redeemed us from the curse, having become a curse for us on the cross, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us in Christ Jesus, that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jesus did it all on the cross. He took the curse for us and he released the blessing for us. And, and it says that, that we might receive it through faith. We must now come to him and receive it through faith. That's our part. Well, if God's such a liberal giver, why do we often fail to receive it and see it in our lives? The reason, number one, is unbelief. Believers often just don't believe. You know, you can say, God's word says this. God's word promises this. But they say, yeah, but I tried that. Or my friend says something different. Well, so-and-so was a believer and it didn't work for them. Oh, I, don't, I just don't think it will work. I don't feel like God heard me. In other words, they count their word or the experience of someone else or their own feelings, their own opinions to be of higher value and of higher authority than God's holy word. No wonder they never receive anything from God. You see, you've got to know God and his word. And, and until you're fully persuaded that God means what he says, your feelings, your thoughts, your experiences will lie to you, but God's word is true. Let God be true. Let everything else be a liar. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should repent, that he should lie, or a son of man that he should repent. Has he, 
said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not bring it to pass? You see, we need to trust God. That's the spirit of faith. James 1.5 says, if, if any man lacks wisdom or any blessing from God, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. You see, it's very clear that God is a liberal giver, and he will give it to you when you ask him. The only issue is, do you have the trust in him to actually receive it? He gi he'll give it to you, but are you able to receive it? Because if you doubt his promise to give it, freely upon request, then your heart will not be in position to believe, to receive it when you pray. That's why James says in verse 6, but let him ask in faith. In other words, believing that God is a liberal giver who gives the answer on request. Let him ask in faith with no doubting. Don't differ from, the, from what the word says, that God will give it to you freely. No doubting, he says, for he who doubts is like the wave of a sea, tossed to and fro by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord, for he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You see, this man, he asks all right, but he fails to receive anything from God when he prays. Not because God didn't give it to him, but because he wasn't in a position to receive what God gave him. He comes to God and asks, but he doesn't think God will really give it to him because all these other voices say he won't. His feelings, his experiences, and so forth. So as a result, he looks away. He doesn't look to God. And God gives it to him, but he's not able to receive it. He's a double-minded man. He's an indecisive man, unstable. He doesn't know what's what. You see, the problem is he hasn't made the quality decision that God's word is true, and it's the final authority, it's reliable, and instead he's double-minded. One minute he looks to God, who says yes. The next minute he looks to his feelings, his circumstances that say no. He's double-minded. And the unbelief in his heart nullifies his faith, makes him spiritually indecisive, double-minded, and destroys his confidence to receive from God. You have to remove that unbelief from your heart. And make a decision. You're going to trust God's word. What is the final authority in your life? Your feelings, your circumstances, or God's word? To make a decision that God's word is final authority. And then you will have great peace in your life. Because you'll no longer, longer be tossed to and fro by all the winds of all the different opinions around you. You've got to trust God's character. And once you receive it in your heart, you see, then you'll be able to release it into your soul and into your body. It's a process. The manifestation happens over time. But Jesus promised, if you believe you receive it when you pray, then you will have it. You see, 1 John 5:14 says, this is the confidence we have in him, in his character, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That means he answers us. And if we know that he hears us, if we know that he answers us, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. We, know, we can know that we have the answer to our prayer. You see, firstly you must know that it's according to his will. Then you need to know that he, he answers you when you pray. And then you can believe you receive it so that you can go away from the prayer closet knowing that you have the answer. That's why Jesus said, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them manifested. You believe you receive it in your heart and then you will have it outwardly. See, the answer comes through you 
It's according to your believing. So if you want to experience the flow of God's blessings in your life, you've got to get your heart into shape by putting God's word first. Trusting it with all your heart, basing your thought and your life on it. You see, driving out all unbelief from your heart so that you're no longer double-minded, but fully persuaded that the word of God is true, that you will trust it no matter what. And then you protect your heart and reinforce your faith by declaring out loud God's word, especially when you're attacked by thoughts of doubt and unbelief. You see, Jesus said, whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. See, what we need to do is come to God with a promise of God established in our heart by meditation. You have to diligently seek God. You have to get into his word. You have to get his word into your heart. You need to get that established in your heart. Take up one promise of God that, that you want to believe God for. Establish it in your heart. Meditate on it until you're fully persuaded that it's true and you're fully persuaded that God is faithful to his word and that he will give it to you when you ask him. And then, then you come to him and you confidently come to the throne of grace and you believe you receive it when you pray. Hallelujah. When you pray, believe that you receive it and you receive that promised blessing from God. You receive it in spiritual form into your heart. Then you release it into your life by speaking and acting as if you already have it in you and then you will release it into your life. That's how your heart works. But you've got to get faith. Build faith in your heart and start removing that unbelief from your heart because it's hardening your heart. It's stopping you. Receive the life of God. Get the word of God in your heart. Make that your first thing. Then the issues of life, the life of God, the blessings of God that God wants to get into your life can start to be released. The blockage is in your heart, not in the sovereignty of God. God wants to bless you far more than you, even you want to be blessed. But there is a blockage in your heart. Get the word in you. Decide to believe the promise of God above the words and the opinions of man and the theologies of man, the philosophies of man. Decide that the word of God is true. Be fully persuaded. And then come to God in confident faith and say, thank you, Lord. I believe I receive. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, you provided this for me. I receive it now. In Jesus' name, and then I declare it, and I speak it into my life. Praise God.